Took the Bruins about 15 minutes to get the wake-up call, but they're wide awake now. Here's Pasternak closing. He scores! I was in Florida once on a southern tour where I met this little redhead who was an underwater specialist. Sean holds. Grizzlick has the puck hop on him. Pasternak tried to draw CC out of the geometry. The puck bounces all the way through. Bergeron scores for Marshawn. Patrice Bergeron with one and two. Good game. I'm getting out of this hick town. Thank God there is still a sport for middle-sized white boys. <laughs> now taking him along is Krejci. Dropped it on back and it's a shot by Pajanowski! It's Nebraska on the deflection! Uh, but hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Well, hello, everybody. It's Mark, and I'm back. Back for another episode of Beers and Bruins podcast. This is episode 15. Um, we're recording on Wednesday. Uh, I don't even know the date. The 20th of March. And uh, let's get going. I mean, this, this uh, episode is brought to you by Seat Giant. Yeah, you go to Seat Giant for any sporting event or any concert or theater Anything you want to do. If you want to go see a show, go to SeatGiant.com. Use promo code BNGP. Save yourself a little money. That's BNGP. Save yourself some cash on your next ticket or concert or theater event. And it help, uh, great helps uh, helps us out on the show. And, and we always look for ways to cut our out-of-pocket operating costs. So we would certainly appreciate that. Um, speaking of appreciation... I uh, have a gentleman on the on the line with me today. He's going to come on for a couple few cold beers and talk uh, the Boston Bruins throughout the organization. But we're, you know, we're going to start from the bottom. No discredit to him, and uh, no, please don't take any offense, Chris, to this. But uh, we're going to start from what you cover uh, on a weekly basis, and uh, I believe you post uh, eight to ten articles a month about the Atlantic Gladiators, which is the Boston Bruins affiliate in the East Coast Hockey League, but I want to welcome Chris Green to the show. Uh, you can follow him on twi Twitter at cgreen, that's G-R-E-E-N-E -E -E sports. Uh, Chris Green, welcome back to the program, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. I look forward to being back and uh... Well, like I say, I appreciate you you taking the time to hear me ramble on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I like to I like to drink beer and ramble about about hockey and pretty much nothing else. So why not have you back on? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm pretty much the same. So. Yeah, uh, I think the last time I think the last time we talked on, on the on the show was the beginning of the year, correct? Oh, season. Yeah. If I remember rightly, it may have actually been before the season started. I think in the off season, um, 
I don't know exactly when it was, but I know it was a while ago now at least. Oh, I'm glad to have you back. Glad to be here. What are you drinking? Let's get started off with that. Uh, so tonight, I think I drank this on the on the previous episode also, but it's uh, it's an IPA called Captain's Daughter uh, from Graysale Brewery, which is just up the street from me. So, yeah, it's kind of become my, my go-to, trying to support the, the locals out. And, yeah, it's it's like rocket fuel, but it's, uh, it's really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. I am uh, drinking a cherry wheat from Sam Adams, and it is out of season, but it is kind of a funny story about this. I bought a ton of this stuff. I think I bought like two cases of this, and I brought like a (laughs) case and a half over. My friend Mary and Brian, shout out to them, uh, had us over for a little get-together. I believe it was New Year's, and uh, it's it's out. You can't find cherry wheat anymore uh, because it it is seasonal, and it's hard to find. But anyway... Uh, I was super stoked on Saturday last week to go over to their place, and they had a whole crap load that they still had in the refrigerator. They kept it for me, so I was just like, you know, I'm taking eight of these home because I'm going to save it for beers and brewings this week. So it was, I was pretty stoked about that. So there you go. Yeah. It's a special occasion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I said Chris Green's coming on the show, and I'm going to have a fucking good time. <laughs> And I'm gonna I'm go. gonna I'm gonna celebrate appropriately with his with his uh his return. So there we go. I <laughs> feel right. privileged. Chris, uh, not only are you a very good uh, follower of mine and a good friend, but you also write for um, our blackandgoldhockey.com website. And like I said at the beginning of the show, you 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 cover the Atlantic Gladiators, which is the lowest uh, professional hockey league that is affiliated with the Boston Bruins. So. Uh, first and foremost, I, I want to say thanks for your coverage, man. I, I, when I brought you on, I just kind of threw out the idea. I believe it was Twitter or maybe it was in a Slack conversation about about covering the Atlantic Gladiators. And uh, you were very quickly to respond to me and say, I want the job. And and you just took the ball and ran with it. And, and I really appreciate that. And, and a lot of people uh, have reached out saying that it's really good to hear that the the uh the coverage of the team even though there's not a lot of prospects down there i mean there's none now but uh thank you very much sir yeah i mean i i've really enjoyed it i kind of when the you know the opportunity was was presented i i, I like the idea of getting involved with a team that i didn't necessarily know too well um i thought that way you know it'd be a little bit less biased and would you know would prevent or sorry would uh, produce kind of better coverage so yeah i thought it'd be a really interesting thing to do and also i think uh like you mentioned although they don't have any prospects right now in the future it could be potentially quite an important part of you know feeding back to the fans about prospects and just the the organization in general so yeah i just felt it'd be a good opportunity to to shed some light on an area that people probably overlook quite often yeah, absolutely, um, and, and it's, it is a developmental league of the of the National Hockey League, and it's a feeder league of the American Hockey League. So obviously, the Atlantic Gladiators, when they have availability and they have a, a player that's been you know playing above and beyond uh, consideration for a call up to the uh, to the Providence Bruins, is is heavily considered uh, due to the fact is that there's movement going above that to the National Hockey League level. So 
there's there's the, the elevator of of developmental levels is is just crazy and and the transaction uh, within that elevator and levels is just is is crazy also so uh, we I, like I said I appreciate the coverage dude you're just you're spot on and and definitely getting better article by article so definitely uh, check him out you can follow uh, Chris on Twitter at C Green Sports sorry at C Green that's G R E E N E I probably hacked that up too anyway but hey I just got I just right. got out of work and I just ran to the studio and I'm just like all right let's let's do this but so, <laughs> so we're doing good. this on so the fly good. but anyway uh, tell me about the Atlantic Gladiators this season and 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 from your coverage from the beginning to where we are right now and and when the I, I'll tell you uh, it, my viewing has been limited due to the fact is that there's no Bruins prospects but when there right. was Una Kaman and, and and Jesse Gabriel that was with the team I was I was watching on the regular but uh, from from that point on tell me how this team has gone and uh and, and what you expect for the future yeah so well I, I kind of I guess took the role as the the gladiators correspondent in the in the off season and they've got uh, kind of new ownership in the organization they bought in uh, jeff Pyle as head coach who has uh, ahl experience he's also coached in europe and he actually did coach the gladiators to uh, the finals back in the early 2000s so he, he he did actually have history with the organization that's the Kelly spoke Cup, right the, yes it is yeah okay. and they unfortunately they didn't win the finals but you know that was historically the, the best season the organization had had and i think yeah like i say the new the new ownerships really targeted uh, the the playoffs and, and wanting to kind of elevate uh, the team and, and bring that kelly cup back to atlantis or to atlantis so they brought jeff pile on and and uh you know tried to instill a, a philosophy of of just playing good hockey which you know i know the echl often gets a bit of a reputation for being a league whereas kind of old school a lot of a lot of fighting and i'm not 100 percent sure if it's still the case but for recently anyway the gladiators were had the lowest penalty minutes in the league because they genuinely do play a, a nice style of hockey um which is a credit to, to like i say coach pile um the season didn't start too well for a long time they were at the bottom of the south division and it just felt like they were kind of losing every week. Um, there was a lot of players coming and going to the roster, uh, moving up and down from Providence. And uh, also they, they work quite closely with the, the Nashville Predators. So they have players that uh, go between um, the Milwaukee Admirals, which is the Predators AHL team. Uh, so there was a bit of instability until probably around about New Year's, kind of late December, early January, the team just kind of clicked and went on a, a huge point streak. And now they're kind of right in the thick of the playoff race. So, um, yeah, they've they've uh, they've definitely turned things around. I think it took a little while for for Coach Pyle to kind of instill that philosophy and style of play. But uh, the team's got one of the best power plays in the ECHL, and and they've really, like I say, as the season's progressed, they've kind of found their rhythm. And they're still not quite the finished article, but uh, you know the difference that. Um, from the start of the season is unbelievable really so it's looking like the the playoffs are likely which would be great for the team and uh really a credit to all the work the new ownership has done really 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, quickly looking at the at the rank. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the rankings in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Atlanta is currently sitting in the 11th spot after 62 games with a 27-25-7 and three record. Uh, so, but in the eighth position, assuming that it goes one through eight in the East Coast Hockey League, uh, like like regular playoffs should go, um, is only five points out. So how many games are remaining? So it, it, it's slightly different in the ECHL because there's only 27 teams. But essentially, the Gladiators need to finish fourth in the in the South Division to secure a spot. Now, they're currently in fifth, two points behind the South Carolina Stingrays. But the advantage is they have a lot more games left on their schedule. I believe it's actually four more games than the Stingrays have. So... They only need to kind of win one of those and, and then tie another to surpass them. So it's looking like they should be able to clinch that fourth place spot, which would then get them into the postseason. So, um, like I say, considering where they were around Christmas, just before they kind of clicked, it's uh, where they were they were miles away from, from a playoff spot. So, uh, like I say, the team's really kind of got it together and, and uh, it looks like they're going to make it. Yeah. Uh... Let's talk about the future. Um, I've, I've been through this uh, for so many years when it comes to East Coast Hockey League affiliations. Uh, when I started really getting heavily involved in writing about the Bruins and, and lower levels of the organization, I um, the Bruins were had an affiliation with the uh, South Carolina Stingrays, and which was which was split with the Washington Capitals. Uh, and then they left there and they went further south, which I didn't quite understand that when, when like leagues like the American Hockey League were like really getting the prospects closer to home. So I thought that at the, uh, the East Coast Hockey League level, some teams might do that too and follow suit, uh, keep everything close by within a matter of hours of a call up in an emergency situation over a matter of, uh, uh, a, a half a day's travel by plane. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to bring it home to New England. I think that with, with the the East Coast Hockey League uh, teams that were in, oh, I'm sorry, the American Hockey League teams that were in New England that uh, fortunately, you know, got uprooted after so many years and went out west to, to be closer to those, um, uh, those National Hockey League teams out west. Um, I thought that bringing something back and closer to the the area of operation, which would be Boston, would be appropriate. And I think it would be uh, a heartfelt welcome. You know what I mean? It, you're in Bruins country. You're playing <laughs> Bruins hockey. So uh, they went they, they went to Atlanta, which is fine. I mean, that's a, that's a great franchise, and it's a it's a great feeder feeder league, uh, feeder team in a league uh, of feeders. So. And um, I appreciate the coverage down there. Uh, I think his name is, is it Chris Teft? Treft. Yeah, Treft. Chris yeah. Treft. He's, yeah, he's a fantastic follow. I, I, I'm, I try to, uh, as much as possible, retweet uh, anything that he does in, in, in the Atlantic Gladiators organization because it is a part of Ruins fam. So, you know, we should, we should think of him even though they, they don't have the prospects, which I wish they did have. That's one thing that uh, that knocks them. That they, I wish they did that. But we'll discuss that in a little bit. But anyway, the the two year agreement 
this would be the second time that uh, these two teams have talked. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, this would be the third time. So they've already done two two agreements previous. So uh, this agreement, which happens to be two years, is up at the end of this season. And there's still no dialogue from anybody that I've talked to within the Bruins organization uh, that want to even get involved in this discussion, which to me says that there hasn't been any dialogue and they're willing to wait till the last minute like they did with um, when they were with the South Carolina Stingrays not too long ago. Uh, they waited till like August to announce that they... You know, they were going to Atlanta and, and, and leaving South Carolina. So, I mean, there's a there's a long time frame of, of information that being gathered. And, and it might just seem that this Bruins team is not in a rush to, to immediately, you know, get anything done. So, but I mean, as as somebody that covers them all the time and, and pays close attention and, 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 and interacts with the people that are down there on the regular basis, do you... Do you get the feeling that this might be the end of the relationship, or do you feel that there might be another two years that these two te- uh, these two franchises can work together? Well, from a from a personal point of view, I mean, since I've I've kind of been covering the team, uh, some of the guys that work there and the fans have been great. You know, they've been reaching out, and like you say, I've had dialogue between uh, myself and them, and and it's been great to kind of get involved in in the organization and the fan base. Um, I, I, I think there's a number of factors really that kind of come into play. I mean, the from what I understand, nothing. There's no real. They've kept the cards, the cards, sorry, close to their chest. So uh, when I reached out to to people in Atlanta, they did sort of say that there was dialogue between the Gladiators and and the Bruins, but but you know it was it was all sort of behind closed doors. So I think there is. There is definitely communication um, about a potential extension of the deal or a new deal. Uh, but like you said, I, I think geographically it perhaps would make more sense to have an ECHL affiliate in the New England area or at least closer to Boston because, um, you know, Atlanta is, is quite far away. Um, one thing that that kind of... I think people often overlook or perhaps aren't even aware of is there's, that there's only 27 teams in the ECHL. So um, there's, it's almost kind of, I guess there's more competition for NHL teams to secure a deal because there's less ECHL teams to potentially partner with, if that makes sense. Right. But also I think the fact that at least as it stands, there's no prospects down there perhaps the Bruins don't necessarily see much value in the relationship. Again, that's, that's just kind of, I guess, speculation almost, you know, I, I, I think it perhaps would be different if uh, like Jesse Gabriel was there in Atlanta for some time. I think perhaps if he was still there uh, with one or two others, there may be a bit more um, kind of urgency from Boston to kind of tie down that relationship. But, but as it stands, it seems that, you know that nothing's been confirmed yet. Um, perhaps they'll just wait until the end of the season and, and secure it in the off season. I'm not really too sure, but it it right now just seems like it could go either way. I, I hope that they do work out something because, like I say, I've enjoyed covering the team and and the the Gladiators organization has been great. And I think they they 
both teams can benefit from giving guys playing time. You know, the Gladiators will obviously benefit from guys coming down from Providence, potentially even Boston. And similarly, it gives the guys that perhaps would normally be sitting on the on the ninth floor playing time, which which is obviously key to development. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I'm concerned about, uh, and it sucks because it, it it's a business. But you, I mean, I understand how how things work. And and let me let me get this off my chest first, okay, Chris? Uh, let me ask you because I've heard and you know I follow. I'm on Twitter a lot. You know that. And as a team at the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, we are very involved in what goes on on Twitter and and everything. So. Um, with that being said, I, I, I just, from stuff that I've read in the, from Atlanta is the, the Glad's fans are not happy with, or they aren't impressed with the Bruins affiliation. I, I believe that they think that, uh, those fans, uh, believe that they might be better fitted with a, a National Hockey League, uh, affiliation with a, you know, I mean... What's their affiliation in the National Hockey League again? Did you say Nashville? So officially, they're, they're affiliated with the Bruins, but they have, at least since I've been covering them, uh, actually had a, a lot of players from the Predators organization. Yeah, so it almost seems like, you know, Atlanta kind of holds the chips in the sense that they already have a relationship with uh, what, with both teams. Right, so, so losing losing the Bruins affiliation wouldn't overly hurt them. Exactly. Um, and then coupled with the the fact that there's no prospects from Boston yeah. there currently, right. I mean, you have um, Olivier Galipo, who's who's uh, officially a Providence player, who spent most of the season in Atlanta. He has had stints with with the Providence Bruins, um, but, but yeah, still, still I mean, not a still not a prospect though. Exactly, exactly. So there is still some connection, but I'd say at least on the current roster, there's a lot more players from Nashville. Um, over over down, or down in Atlanta than there are from Boston. So it almost feels like it's the other way around. Their affiliation is with Nashville, and then they kind of do a little bit of business with Boston on the side, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I just got the feeling that we, we the Bruins kicked the um, the, the thr- thrashes. That's what I'm trying to say. The thrashes ass so many years that they're like, oh, God, <laughs> now we're affiliated with the Bruins team. But anyway, right. regardless, no, I, I, I like I like some the uh, the Atlanta fans. They're fun, and they, they seem, from the streams that I watch, they seem very interactive, and they, and they seem to really get into the game. So good on them. But, like, when I was, I was growing up, um, you know, Providence was just a little too far away from me it's way too south for me to get there and i mean i would be there more often if that connection was from north station to south station if there was a train connection in between there i would be in providence all the time but it's that pain in the ass north station stop then travel from north station by uber you get to the cell station and then hop on another train and go, you know what I mean? It's just, if there was a straight shot, I'd be there in a yeah. heartbeat. But there isn't. So Manchester, New Hampshire was my next go-to. And one of the benefiting factors is in the American Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League, as you know, is uh, when, when you have teams that are so close, 
you play them a lot more because of travel reasons and costs. So you cut the cost of travel by playing teams like 12 times. So the Providence yeah. Bruins would play the Manchester Monarchs 12 times. So that was a benefit for me that only 40, 40 miles away to go and see. And, and, and plus, you know, I, I was an L.A. Kings fan. From, I was a bandwagon guy. I just jumped on. But in, two, <laughs> in 2001, when Manchester came to, to uh, you know, when the, when the American Hockey League came to Manchester in 2001, I was hooked. And I saw a lot of talent come out of there and go right to L.A. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to be a season ticket holder and meet some really great people. Uh, the Gustowski the family. I can't say their name. I'm sorry. But uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim and his family, uh, great people, op- open arms to me. And, and then so did so many other families. And I, I know what it feels like to have a, a franchise just get ripped out of you your heart and sent somewhere else so with that being said that is no more i mean that type of hockey in manchester new hampshire is never coming back because uh it's just it, I, it just seems dead to me that if you bring something else in that's not of an interest uh, fans are not going to grasp to it and and especially with an organization that seems to not be fan interact you know when they interact with the fans with giveaways and blah 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 and you know it really making it worth a season ticket holder to purchase a 700 800 seat or you know i'm not sure what the price is these days but to an arena that they say is selling 2100 seats a night or per game but you when you stream the games you can see less than 500 yeah so things to me are not working out in Manchester, and in, in January of 2019, um, there were reports that the team is going to be is looking for a new owner, is new ownership. And then recently, uh, another report came out uh, on one of the papers, and I wish I, I, wish I had uh, the information to quote it. I just didn't have any time to do any notes. But they came out and said that they could cease operations for next season. And not play. So there's a lot of confusing things that are going on in Manchester right now. Um, and and the timing, Chris, is here comes the Bruins with their affiliation with Atlanta. And here comes mm-hmm. Troubled Waters in Manchester in the Queen City. Do you see, I mean, is there any correlation do you think that these teams, the, these areas could work out? Because in my opinion, I think it would work out just for the fact is that it's Bruins related in New England. That's just a draw to me. I would definitely go see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, geographically, we kind of touched on earlier, it it makes absolute sense to have your affiliates close to the, the, obviously, the NHL team, you know, because if you're moving guys up and down, it's much less travel. And it's probably easier, I'd imagine, for the for the GM, the front office to keep tabs on these guys if they're closer. So yeah, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm really kind of, I don't want to say disappointed, but I, I kind of sad really for the, for the way that Manchester's, uh, the monarchs there have kind of come into trouble. And, you know, like you say, the ownership is, is seems to be disinterested or, you know, because it, New England is, is a, is a huge hockey area and it, and it's, it's frustrating that a team within that kind of region 
isn't getting the fans and and you know is struggling when there's a lot of NHL teams within that that kind of radius that that can potentially help them out and and like you say I mean the way the way it's looking with Atlanta right now you know nothing's been confirmed the Bruins could well step in and and maybe kind of revitalize that team you know inject a bit of cash or, or whatever it may be some prospects that you know excite the locals and, and get uh, get people into the arena to watch the games. Um, I know that in my time kind of covering the ECHL, they're very keen on expanding the game, particularly to areas that might not necessarily have an NHL team. I know going back to Atlanta, for for instance, I know they had the Thrashers there, but there's there's definitely hockey fans in Atlanta. So I can see why the the ECHL is, is trying to expand and, and push teams down south and out west to, to expand the games. And obviously, there's a lot of NHL teams out west now that ultimately are going to need the affiliations. So, it, you know, it makes sense that they're trying to expand the game in the minor level, which might then allow more expansion in the in the kind of the highest level. I don't know. But going back to your original question about Manchester, it, it absolutely makes sense that you know, if things don't work out between the Bruins and the Gladiators that, that, that Boston reach out to them and, and potentially save that franchise because it, I think it would mutually benefit both teams. Yeah, no kidding. And here's my idea, and I've been, I've been thinking about this for the longest time, and, and I think in this next CBA that owners should really... Um, Put forth their chips and and push for uh, the the contracts that an organization can have. That means uh, two way deals, entry level deals, and so on. I think that they should go from currently the number is fifty contracts an organization can have. So obviously twenty three are on your roster in the NHL, and the rest are all <laughs> like you know minor pro uh, deals. You you increase that number to sixty, okay? Mm-hmm. So now you have all you have you have prospects in the American Hockey League developing for the next level, but then you have ten contracts, east entry level deals, whether they're two year, one year, or three year deals, that you could branch out and give to like NCAA players that you could sign right around this time of the year. And you make a team out of that the following season. So now there are 10 prospects that are at the East Coast Hockey League level that are developing. And if you see a prospect that's really breaking out and, and playing well, you advance him. You know what I'm saying? You advance him to the American Hockey League and see how he does there. And if you can handle that, bring him up another level. I just think that with with no prospects right now in the Bruins affiliation, it just kind of makes a hole for me when I'm thinking. And I know I'm crazy. I'm a goaltender. I got too many pucks in the head for 30 years of, <laughs> you know, getting my head bashed and everything like that. But, you know, if you really want to aggressively develop players, you need to have like a Major League Baseball type of, of, of development level. Like, those leagues, they have triple A. I mean, how many A's? I've seen leagues that have, like, fucking 23 A's. It's like, you know, if you have that many leagues in baseball 
and they I, I know they have money they have a ton of money to to to, to throw at, at absolutely nothing but when they find that gem in the rough though they seem like the greatest freaking organization in the whole world because they found that guy I want the Bruins to do something like that I want the NHL to do something like that you know I just want to see more involvement if you have an affiliation make it worth the while to to put at least some some prospects there i know dan vladar was there for the longest time uh for a whole season and then the mm-hmm. next season he's gone and then jesse gabriel were up for like five or six games with junior companion and then that's it it just really didn't draw me to go and and buy more streams it honestly didn't and it's sad because i really wanted to pay more attention but I got my fix from your weekly posts, your previews of the action coming up, and your post games from the weekend. You know, looking back. So, yeah, I, I mean, while while whilst you were were talking there, before you mentioned it, all I could think of was was baseball because, for me, at least in terms of development. There probably isn't a better league or or sport in the world than than, than baseball because, like you say, they've they've got so many levels, you know, and guys are constantly moving up and down. Like you said, I mean, the, the money is obviously there. I mean, I'm seeing in the headlines some crazy contracts being announced in in the last week or two in in Major League Baseball. Dollars? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, crap. it's just uh, you can't even comprehend that kind of kind of deal in, in hockey. Deal. I mean, <laughs> uh, can you imagine? <laughs> Crazy. You know, it, it, it's it's so I, I understand it, it's, it is a different sport. I think you probably likely going to have more uh, or a lengthier career in baseball because it probably takes less strain on the body. That's no discredit to baseball at all, but I think hockey physically is a more demanding sport. That being said, there's obviously there's a lot of money in the game and the development. It, the, the, the talent is there, it's, especially in North America, especially in Europe. The talent is there. A lot of guys come out of college, um, play play a, have a, have talent, have have play a reasonable standard in college, and that's it. You know, that's that's the end of the road for them uh, in hockey, and, and that is a shame because, like you say, there's there's guys that come out of co- college and get contracts in the ECHL or tryouts in the ECHL and. And maybe they'd be lucky enough to um, to kind of establish themselves. I mean, there was a there was a player um, on on the Gladiators. I, I don't know if it's appropriate to say his name or not, but I know that he actually retired simply because he wasn't making enough money to to survive. You know, so so playing hockey, which is obviously something he enjoyed, he knew that he could with his degree earn a much better living and and that's a real shame because he was a talented player and for those for those who don't know and i i'm sorry for interrupting you chris but um like if you're talking about the nhl you're talking about millions when you go down to the ahl you're not making millions you're making like no. seventy thousand dollars and when you go down to the east coast hockey league you're making like six hundred dollars a week and those and your contracts at the East Coast Hockey League are 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 game by game contracts, and they're not yeah. they're not I, I they even might be week to week contracts too. I'm not totally sure about that, 
But if you're only making six hundred dollars, how are you supposed to support a family or pay a mortgage? I mean, yeah. it's, it's tough, and I, I know it's it's heart wrenching that to see players like that who have a passion to keep going and keep the dream alive, but also are doing it struggling for their families. Which, and I, I, I I'm not going to say any names, but I've I've heard of many at that level that guys end up divorced and and this and that because it's just they 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 can't release the grasp of that dream. So yeah. It sucks, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. No, no, not at all. I, I mean, it, the the bottom line is it's obviously when you're younger, a lot of us dream about being pro athletes in, in various sports. And for the guys that make it, they it it's not easy, it, particularly in hockey. When you look at the ECHL, their, their wages really aren't, for professional athletes are very very low and like you say the contract situation i see covering the gladiators guys kind of come and go a lot you know that they might be signed and then they're on reserve for a little while and unfortunately they're cut because the reality is it is a business you know the franchise has to make money and unfortunately you might have talent but if if you're on a team that you know already has a bit of depth in your position the reality is you're probably going to be cut and before you know it you you know you're, you're desperate to to try and and find income to support yourself and and i think it, it is a real shame because there's a lot of talent in the in the east coast hockey league i'm, I'm not under any illusion that you know the gulf between the East Coast Hockey League and the NHL obviously is is significant, but there's definitely a lot of potential, especially from the NCAA, that really isn't isn't tapped into because these guys ultimately have to provide a living for themselves, and it's really not easy. It is a real shame that you know players you know kind of hang up their skates because they just simply can't afford to to live, and especially when they're kind of kind of talented players as well. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's get off the uh, the East Coast Hockey League um, talk with this. Um, regardless of of where the the dialogue is with the Atlanta franchise and the Boston Bruins, um, purely this is our discussion is is pure speculation. I I, yeah. I have no facts, but I'm just putting the 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 pieces together in my research when I read certain articles and and who I talk to for sources but um, you know to the best to whatever happens I, I really want to see Manchester become a, a city again that is known for hockey I mean because that that the history of the sport in that area goes back to the to the early 1900s and you know it it, it really should be better and 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 it should be an organization that better serves those people that are buying those season tickets the ones that are basically paying their salaries so um and that's i'm not saying that these are on the players this is the organizations that come in and take over teams be there yeah. for the be there for the fans man step it up man yep. you know what i mean yep. so um hopefully everything works out i'd love to have a team 40 minutes away from me it'll make sense um and 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 the Bruins related one would be awesome. I think kids would love it. I think fans would love it that have kids because it's cheap. It's it's decent hockey. So it, and if it does happen, please go and support. 
there's nothing more than than uh, than than you know minor pro hockey, and you get to see the the potential next next guys that make up. Because believe it or not, it's a, it's a small percentage, but players do excel to the NHL through this path. So mm-hmm. if it works out, it works out, and it will only help everywhere because. Like I said, if you increase those ten contracts, and now you have ten legitimate uh, prospects, say that with a new East Coast Hockey League in, uh, franchise in Manchester, or if the New York Rangers do not want to continue theirs in Maine, which the Bruins had an American Hockey League affiliation with the Maine Mariners, that yep. could that could happen too. Now, just just because the New York Rangers have the rights to the main Mariners doesn't mean that they're always going to be there. If they have like a, a four year deal, those agreements are broken all the time. There's, oh, yeah. no, there's nothing set in stone. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, even the Worcester railers, if they, you know, that owner has some serious ties to the Boston Bruins. He's a season ticket holder and has been for a long time. I forget his name, but he was, I mean, Worcester was potentially going to be that American hockey league affiliate Two years ago, uh, before the the Worcester Railers came to town, and everybody thought, uh, speculated that that was going to be the next East Coast Hockey League for the Bruins, and and yeah. unfortunately, it didn't work out. So, passing that on, I just you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, everything works out, and um, you know, I just, I just hope I I, I just want to see closer. I just want to see everything here, and and just because I want to report on it, I want to go to these places. I'd love to go yeah. to Atlanta, but I just don't, you know, have the time to get up and travel all the time, too. So, no, I, I hear you exactly. I mean, I just obviously just to kind of wrap this up. Just one thing I, I did want to say to any any listeners out there that potentially are close to a an ECHL team, you know, whether it's uh, the Gladiators or, or or another team affiliated to another organization, you know, if if you if you're looking for something to do, I mean, the standard of hockey really isn't that bad. You know, if if you want to go out and get a cheap ticket and, and have a good night, because uh, you know perhaps you can't get to the, the 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 Boston Bruins or the Providence Bruins regularly, go out and support that team because the, you know the bottom line is this is potentially stars that that could feature in in the in the show in the future, and and really these these teams do need support. So you know if you are in close to a an ECHL affiliate or even an AHL affiliate, definitely go out and and uh, go to some games because I can almost guarantee that you'd enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, how about we talk a little bit about the American Hockey League, the the Providence Bruins, um, and you could also add in um, some players that have been called up to that uh, that level to uh, facilitate roles in emergency situations, uh, like Tanner mm-hmm. Pond and so on, but. Uh, you know, the Providence Bruins, they sit in the fourth position in the Atlantic Division uh, with a 32-22-8-2 record, 74 points. Um, nobody's catching the Charlotte Checkers. Those, that, that's just a powerhouse team. <laughs> so, um, uh, the, the, obviously, the Providence Bruins did not start the season off good. and They have been trending lately the past three or four seasons that I've noticed, at least when I'm in my notes, that say that they they start their campaigns off on on the wrong foot, but right around New Year's they turn around and pick it up. So, uh, your thoughts on the the top minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins? Yeah, so 
I kind of mentioned to you before we, we started recording, unfortunately for me anyway, I haven't been to any Providence games so far this season, but it's interesting that, that you mentioned, you know, historically, at least recently, uh, they, they've almost given everybody else a head start, you know, before they've kind of found their groove and, and uh, kind of turned it on almost. And like you say, the Charlotte Checkers are, are kind of flying right now. But I, I think Providence are doing a great job. I think they've they've supported Boston really well. There's, there's been a lot of guys that have been called up this season. Uh, and, it, and it really is a credit to the organization in general and the partnership between Boston and Providence. Um, they, they seem to be clicking. They've got a lot of guys that are on the fringes of the NHL. Maybe not quite the finished article, but, but guys that definitely have talent. And as always, they're 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 fun to watch. So I think they're uh, they're doing a good job. Yeah, as a as a follower all the time, and I know that you subscribe to to the um, the East Coast Hockey League TV. Is that it? Yes. Yeah, yeah and uh, and I I do the same thing for the uh, AHL TV. It's a it's a good program. I'm not overly thrilled about the quality, but. I can I if I can see the numbers and the names on the back and I can make it out, then I'm fine with it. It doesn't have to be like HD, but you get you know if that's what you if you want to watch and you want to properly evaluate, then you suck it up and and take it. But um, yeah, I mean the Providence Bruins have done a lot better since 2019. The calendar year started. Uh, players like Zane McIntyre really turned their years around. Uh, Carson Coleman, um, Solaric when he's been back with the team, he's been a key addition. Uh, newcomer Paul Carey, uh, Jordan Swartz, uh captain, he's been a, a good leader to this young squad. Uh, players like Zach Senishin, who who seem to get a really bad rap uh, from people that don't want to take the time to watch him. And see where he's being used, and see all the different situations he's being put in by Jay Leach, which is orchestrated by Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and those guys that that drafted him. There's potential there, but I just sometimes I get the feeling that so many people really love that shiny new toy, and they want to see that get into the NHL as soon as they leave the frickin' podium. It's like you know, gotta relax. And and first and foremost, I mean, I, I got this off of uh, another podcast. I was listening to Jimmy Murphy's uh, uh, Bruins Beat podcast on CLNS Radio, and he they had the, uh, the Athletic Boston's uh, Joe McDonald on. And I thought Joe legitimately put it right out to everybody and just said, that's not how the NHL is anymore. We do not rush uh, players through the developmental system just to get them up at the top and see them either either blossom or fail. But more or less, it's it's properly develop these kids, give them the time needed. I know I understand Zach's probably got another full season on his entry level contract, but use that to your benefit. Don't I mean I the the whole bus thing? It pisses me off. I mean. 
I am not a, an analyst. I'm not this and that. I'm just a fan that kind of gets into all this stuff really aggressively. So I watch, I've been watching Zach Senishin since the Bruins drafted him, and I thought that he played really well for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the Ontario Hockey League. I thought he went re- – I mean, every – he started off as a fourth-line player, and he got 26 goals. And right. then, You know what I mean? Then, he, then his second year, he gets 46 goals. And then his third year, he gets – like forty something goals again. So the talent's there. It's it's to harness certain situations and how he plays on and off the puck. When you don't see that, it's hard to properly evaluate. And then people start bitching about it because he's not in the NHL yet. That pisses me off. So do you think that the as as a Bruins fan and a diehard yourself, do you think that you, with the any any NHL team at this point, if you want to develop properly? And you want speed, and you want to get these players that you just drafted all the assets, all the attributes quickly. Is it worth rushing them? I think, from a from a, a at least from a Bruins fan perspective, I think we've almost been spoiled. Particularly when you look at players like Charlie McAvoy. Okay, so a guy that came in, kind of got thrown in, did a great job. And still is doing a great job. You know, McAvoy is playing on the first line consistently against, you know, the best of the best. And and I know he's kind of had injury woes and, you know, he's kind of had a lot of time off. But this guy is playing against the best of the best, okay, in the NHL. So because of that, people almost expect more from the other prospects you know, so I'm seeing a lot on 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 Twitter, especially recently. Uh, you know about Donato going over to to Minnesota, and you know he he's he's doing all right. He's got a few points. He's and playing very other, well. He's playing well, but yeah. but but Donato was he was always a goal scorer. You know, or, or at least you know the, the kind of guy that he perhaps didn't have that two way game that. A lot of the players on on the Bruins do, and he always had an eye for goal. You know, he was always looking for that shot. And and don't get me wrong, I, I think Ryan Donato will be a reasonable NHL player. I think he has the potential. That being said, when he first came into the Bruins setup, everybody was raving about him from that Olympic performance, and then. You know, suddenly he's hyped as the future. You know, this this kid is being thrown out there. He can do it at the NHL level. He was thrown in. Not everybody is going to be a Charlie McAvoy and kind of hit the ground running or hit the ice running. You know, everybody is is different, and and a lot of times it, it it's got to be a difficult adjustment, especially from going from from college straight into the NHL. It's a huge step up. The NHL genuinely is the best of the best. And I think often, you know, people kind of expect instant success. And it, and it isn't going to happen realistically on a regular basis. These guys have to adjust to the, the standard and get used to their opposition, their teammates, and the skill. You know, you've, you look at... Uh, Jack Studnika. I haven't followed him too closely this season. I know I he have. will have. I have. And 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 he is he is lighting up. 
the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, right? He is he's doing OHL. a great job. OHL. Yeah. And and he he is lighting it up. And this this is a kid that I do not want to rush into things. I know lately everybody's been calling about he could potentially be featured in the playoffs. Let me let me tell Why you. Why would you say that? That's so stupid. I mean, uh, it, yeah. Go ahead, finish. I'll let you know. It, it's crazy because playing in the NHL is one thing, but playing in the NHL playoffs, pressure. It's it's almost a, a it's a step above. It it is a different level because come the playoffs, you are playing the best of the best of the best. All right, these are the best teams in what is referred to as the best league in the world and you've cut all the slack they're gone these are the best teams competing at this point so to bring a guy from a from a junior level or a prospect level and then throw him into the nhl playoffs realistically can we expect them to perform i think it's pretty harsh to expect them to perform i'm not saying they can't i'm just saying we need to tailor our expectations and and be realistic here because there's a lot of guys that are going to need to adjust and that's probably realistically going to take time that's not saying they're bad players not at all it's just saying that you can't rush the talent because if if you're not patient enough there's a lot of talent that you're not going to tap into and you're going to lose so everybody just needs to calm down and just let these guys develop because there's a lot of talent in the Bruins organization. Yeah, and 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 who's doing it? I mean, Jay Pandolfo, Joe Sacco, uh, Bruce Cassidy, and Kevin Dean, down to Jay Leach, Trent Whitfield, all the coach and the new coach that I still can't figure his name out. You know, <laughs> all these guys are doing a great job with these prospects, and and. And just because they're, they're not leading the AHL in goals and assists and points and and every category that you want to see them in doesn't mean that they're not doing bad. They're not developing properly or they're busts. Uh, it's just every everybody's different, you know. I mean, I mean, each level's different. You have to you have to account for that. You have to account for a young man's adjustment level to each situation. Each each league is a situation in life that you have to adjust to. Yeah. It, it's just it just makes sense. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at Zach Senishin, okay? That kid was always looked at to get the puck too because of his speed and that first step stride. That stride got him at least three to four feet ahead of somebody. I've watched so many games, so many games that he played with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds under um, Sheldon Kennedy, uh, yeah, Sheldon Keefe, yeah, Sheldon Keefe, and uh, Drew Bannister, the coach before that or after that. I'm not sure who it was or, or the order. But both of them really had the style, the breakout style. And guess who was leading that? It was freaking Zach Senishin because they were. It was like the defense would get it and immediately look for Zach on the ice when he had a shift. So, in the in, in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins, he's got a mix of people that might be his age, but a vast variety of veterans and other you know middle developing um, uh, you know depth role players. 
So mm-hmm. he's he's adjusting to that too. So I I don't see the need to rush him. I I know. I mean, I wasn't happy when Lee Stepniak got the call. Right. That pissed me off. Yeah. And then people were calling me out saying that I never give anybody a chance. It's like, why would you do that? I mean, if you're going to give that chance to anybody, you should be giving it to our own. This guy has been practicing for over a year, and he gets an opportunity over a kid like Zach. I mean, I'm not saying Zach had the right to be the call. You know what I mean? He's not playing great. He's not putting the puck in the net, but still, it's like if 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 you're not sending a bad message or not trying to send a bad message to these younger developing kids about time in the NHL and remember the Claude Julian days of we won't bring him up if they're not like lighting it up? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. it see it seems like that is back now and and that's the freaking narrative on Twitter, but He's really not doing anything down there that says we need to give this kid a chance. Obviously, they saw something in Lee Stepniak down there in the AHL that I didn't see. I mean, it's the American Hockey League. A 35-year-old Lee Stepniak can can make the American Hockey League look really fucking good. Excuse my language. That was my first F-bomb so far. And we, <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken that long, actually. We're actually at, at an hour, so... <laughs> Uh, let, let's let's take a quick break and we'll move on to um, another uh, topic and the a couple of players that I want to talk about in the in the American Hockey League and then we'll move up a level to the National Hockey League and then we'll probably just end it from there. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores. Wow, what a goal! David Backus. Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Everybody, we're back after a quick break. Um, I want to thank again uh, Chris Green. He's the uh, East Coast Hockey League uh, Atlantic Gladiators writer for the Black and Gold Hockey dot com website. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for for hanging in with me, and I appreciate that, dude. We've I, I I think we've had a really good discussion so far, and I'd like to keep it going. So, um, some players that are going to be unfortunately looked over uh, in the whole development. I think this year was an audition for a player like Zane McIntyre, the goaltender for Mm -hmm. the Providence Bruins right now. Uh, Obviously, his NHL success uh, was really not that good. Um, Kind of thrown into the wolves on that one with uh, injuries to Anton Hudobin back in the day. And uh, they kind of gave him the opportunity 
whether whether the team in front of him sucked or or he had his problems, it just wasn't a good showing. And I think that's really when the NHL Boston Bruins management was just like, um, I don't think he's got anything more than this. So him on his last year, Zane McIntyre. What would you like to see the organization do with him? Um, would you retain him for another year? Uh, he he is RFA. He does. Uh, hang on a second. Let me just look at that again. Um, Zane McIntyre. No, he's UFA. So uh, this is a very interesting one because I thought he was RFA. Um, so he could he could easily walk. Mm-hmm. And 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 have a better success to the NHL with another organization, and that's nothing wrong with that. And some can say that you know, hey, or or he could be traded. He could be traded at the draft. Yeah, before the July first deadline. So my thing is, is is he was a good middle depth goaltender that got it done at the AHL level. Uh, he was he's been with the team since 2010 when he was drafted. Obviously, played four years at North Dakota. Uh, did, did a great job. I'm, I want to say he was a national champion. I could be wrong on that, but anyway, uh, did his job. I mean, you know, kudos to him. I'm not sure that the Bruins should bring him back, and the reason why I'm saying that is because of the way Kyle Keezer is playing right now with the Oshawa Generals in the Ontario Hockey League. Right. Um, and Keys is in the playoffs, and uh, he's playing really well. He's he, And he's put, he's played well all season. Uh, he's been the second-ranked goaltender uh, right next to Michael DiPietro, um, and, who plays for the Ottawa 67s, who, just, who got traded from, um, I want to say it was Windsor, but uh, I could be wrong on that. But anyway, Keezer has been the second-ranked goaltender most of the season. He's got great numbers. I think he's like thirty-eight and eight. Um, I don't have numbers on him either. I'm a slacker on the stats, Chris. What the fuck is up with me, huh? <laughs> You've yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just think that the way Keezer is playing right now, I think that he's basically forcing the hand of the Bruins to say, um, maybe it is time to. Walk away from a, a guy and, and a very popular player down in Providence, uh, Zane McIntyre. I think the fans are going to miss him, um, but he's he's done uh, he's done a good job. He hasn't been my favorite prospect in the goalie in the goalie ranks and everything like that. I've been very critical of him, but I do appreciate the drive and effort that he gave on a nightly basis. But when it comes to business, it's just these are things that that you know have to happen. But I also think that uh, a tandem of uh, of Ladar in his second professional season, uh, I'm sorry, in his this will be I think his third next year, his third or fourth professional season mm-hmm. with uh, Kyle Keyser would be a uh, um, uh, <laughs> very very talented um, back end, uh, the last line of defense. What do you think? Well, I've I've been to Providence games where Zane has stepped up and been incredible. And I know he's had periods, even throughout this season, where he's he's put up good numbers and and been reliable. I think 
the problem for for Zane McIntyre really is that if you look at the the Boston Bruins anyway, right now we're very fortunate to have two very good goaltenders in Tuukka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Okay, now McIntyre has been with the organization, like you say, he was drafted in 2010. It's almost been a decade since then. Isn't that crazy? That is a crazy time for 10 years yeah. and to still be a prospect yeah. in a 10 year span is to me. And, and, and perhaps I'm being too critical, but I, I think Zane is a, is a very good goaltender. Can I see him in the, in potentially having an NHL future? Yes. With the Bruins, probably not. And it's because of the talent that is now coming through, like you mentioned, Vladar and Kiza that are having good seasons. And might I add as well, Sean Bonner in the the Atlanta Gladiators, who has been incredible since yeah, he's he... been inserted into their lineup. There's a lot of talent within the organization. And I, and I kind of feel like Zane's time is almost running out, at least in Boston. And I, and that's no discredit to him at all. I think he's 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 done his best. Of of course, he's tried his hardest. But I just feel like at this point in time, there's a lot of talent below him, and there's a lot of talent above him. And I almost feel like he's kind of almost caught between that, and it's probably going to drive him out of the the Bruins organization. I still feel like he has the potential to to step up perhaps in another organization, but I, I just don't feel like it's Boston. Yeah. And, you know, when you're thinking about the, the Providence Bruins, um, yes, what do you do with Mark McNeil? He's a forwards, by the way. Mark McNeil, Jordan Swartz, Anton Bleed. Um, what, yeah. What's he going to want to do? He's RFA. So, yeah. that he, I mean, he does have rights to stick around and negotiate. Uh, don't Don't even do anything with... With Lee Stepniak, don't even entertain that. <laughs> but uh, Jamel Smith, he might be one yeah. to keep around. He's Jamel. been a good leader, and 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 he's he's a kind of dirty player. Uh, he reminds me of, and it's not a colored thing at all. You know what I mean? I'm not like that, but he reminds me of a Wayne Simmons. Yeah, he's a kind yeah. of winger that can get to the get to the net and create havoc. Uh, that's the type of player he he type he yeah. is. So. Um, you know, retaining him for another year wouldn't be a bad idea. Not sure what's going on with Jesse Gabriel. I really don't want to get into that because of uh, it might be personal reasons. Um, right. But Peter Solarik, where do we go with him? Do we sign him for another year? Does he does he want to stay now that he's had a taste in the in the NHL for so long? Um, does he want to explore that and probably get a more of a taste or? Mark, you'll know this. What what's the name of the the guy that plays for the uh, Calgary Flames who was on the the Bruins? Calgary Flames that was on the Bruins. Was he a defenseman? No, I'm sure he's a forward. Um. Oh, oh, it was uh, uh Austin Zarnick. Austin Zarnick, right? Yes. He has shown that. I mean, I I, I I've not obviously I've not followed the kind of calgary flames too much but every time i've seen him he seems to be you know at least a consistent nhl player 
Yeah. Right. Yep. And my only worry is that the Bruins are almost kind of populating the the pool of NHL players with guys that don't necessarily stay within the organization but that, go elsewhere and produce that's funny cam Neely said the same thing a couple of years ago he said all we're doing is we're sprinkling the nhl <laughs> right. with talent all over the place with these stupid trades and the and the signings that they're doing because they bottleneck and everything so yeah. but so i'm almost kind of reluctant to let go of the forwards for or players at least for that exact reason but ultimately, you're restrained to the amount of players that are on the roster. Yeah, it's that it's that fifty thing. I mean, and that yeah. just Chris, honestly, that just that just feeds the need for ten more contracts. Absolutely. Like, like when when this CBA happens in two years, and there probably be a fucking lockout. And I hate saying I that. Not. I hope not. I, I hope really not hope too. Not. I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm addicted to hockey, man. It's like, it's just crazy. Maybe I might even stop playing hockey if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I might not want to do that. Come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> the last time I did that, it, I got two weeks in a row. I had concussions, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I gotta take a break. So, right. um, but I don't know. I lost my train of thought right there when I was thinking about concussions, but uh, it, I, it, the future looks good, but there's also room that needs to be made on the Providence Bruins roster for next season. Now, it, it's all going to depend on what you do with Jack Zanika, who's also having a very good season with the Niagara Ice Dogs uh, since being traded from the Oshawa Generals, which was, uh, that was a mind-blowing deal. I thought the Oshawa Generals were actually going to go for it this year. And they they are in the playoffs, led by Kyle Keezer, Bruins prospect, goaltender. So, I, I'm a huge Studenica fan. Huge Studenica fan. I think the kid can actually be that third-line center if needed next season. Sorry, Joey Coyle, but you might get bumped out for a kid that's 21. But I also believe that with Coyle having one more full season, that he could stay on that third line and Studnika can get one year in Providence. What would your thoughts be on that? Because for me, just to add a little hint and a little taste of my freaking crazy thought, is it worked for Jake DeBrusque? And look what happened. Came right out of the end of his rookie year and had a fantastic season. Yeah, I mean, I quite like Coyle. I, I like I like the trade. I mean, we touched we touched on Donato earlier on, and I think ultimately, at least at the time of the trade, it made the Bruins organization better. Now, in terms of the future, I don't want to rush Studnicka. I think he's he's at least from what I hear, from what I see on Twitter and things. He's doing a great job. There's, I, I really don't feel like there's a need to rush him because they've got Coyle under contract for it's at least another season. Is that one right? One more full one, yeah. For one more season, and that could potentially, um, excuse me, potentially bridge the gap between Coyle and Stadnika. And I feel like the way the NHL is. And the way the Bruins have been with injuries, 
there's a chance that whilst Adnika's in the AHL, he could potentially get the call up here and there and fill in. And that could kind of give him that experience. But there's, there's other players within the organization that are still kind of knocking on the door and have had chances. I tweeted earlier on in the, in the week, it might have been yesterday actually after the Islanders game, that really the way the Bruins have dealt with injuries this season has been a credit to the front office and the depth in players within the organization. And I, I really don't want to rush Dudnika. I think he could genuinely be a great player, but just slowly introduce him, slowly increase that standard, you know, and I feel like we'll get the best out of the player. You don't want to rush a guy in and he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. You don't want to do that. Chris, can I ask you a serious question? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Studnika, Krejci replacement? Krejci, you know, Krejci's got two more full seasons under his contract. Potentially. Potentially. Absolutely. I, I think Krejci is probably one of the most underrated players on the Boston Bruins roster. Because great when you great think, year this year. A great year. And Fantastic healthy year. every game for you Krejci haters that say he's injured all the time. Trade oh, him. Yeah, yeah. He's a shit had, sandwich of those guys. It, absolutely. These guys had teeth knocked out multiple times this season. <laughs> no and, and it doesn't stop him. It doesn't stop him. <laughs> and, and that's a fact. Now, David Krejci has... When you consider the amount of different guys he's played with, been so productive. We're lucky as as Bruins fans to have guys like Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci within the organization. I genuinely Blast. believe, Blast. genuinely believe that that David Krejci would be a first line center for a lot of NHL teams. Even if, even really if Bergeron was good. never a thought, he'd be a first line center. Absolutely, he he has been brilliant. I was um, I was reading something on ESPN recently where, and I, I don't know if it's still relevant. It might have been a week or so ago, but he was the um, he had like a, the, the longest streak of consistent games for the Bruins. He is rarely injured. He never misses games, and he he is the kind of player that. Guys in his line, guys that are playing around him, get better because he brings them into the game. And I remember, I think it may have been the last time I was on Beers and Bruins, we were talking about Krejci and and the kind of player he is and how important he is to Boston. I think a lot of times people look at his contract, the fact that he's you know a very highly paid forward, and expect him to score more goals. But when you look at the amount of guys he's played with on that line, he's been productive consistently all year round. I think the last the last I read, he played with thirteen different line mates. Yeah, I believe which it. is a huge number. It may have even increased since I read that. But he is consistently a great forward. That guy is so underrated; people don't even have an idea. Yeah, he is. Um. So, when thinking about some Providence Bruins players and then looking at... I'm looking at Cat Friendly, by the way, one of my favorite websites for contract stuff. Um, 
Uh, do you see a place in your heart for Nolachari? Or do you see your place in your heart for a development player that could easily fill his role at a cheaper price in a Ryan Fitzgerald or, mm-hmm. um, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because I know I was listening to the uh, the podcast the other day and you mentioned what, as soon as Achara is brought up. Which podcast is that? The Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Oh. The Boston Bruins Podcast. When, <laughs> when, when, Dude, when I just a huge fist bump, brother. Thank you, man, friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> but as, as soon as he was brought up, you were like, cutting, cutting. And and I'll be honest with you, Mark, I tended to agree with you until I was at the uh, the game against Columbus at TD Garden, and I, and I watched how hard Achari worked and his goal against the Islanders the other night was a product of hard work. I think Achari is the kind of guy, he's quite an old school player in the sense that he will, he'll kind of do the, the nitty gritty, if that makes sense. He, he, he bangs himself around, he chases everything and he works hard. And that product was purely a, a, a gift almost for that hard work. I would not be upset if the Bruins gave him another year. I can can completely understand the argument for giving that role to another guy within the organization. I totally understand that. But I, I do think Achari's presence is sometimes underrated. And I, I think the fact that he has a couple of seasons of experience within the organization, I think that often gets overlooked. Um, I, I, I do think he's a guy that, that knows the standard of the, the NHL and and can can produce ultimately at that level. Honestly, Chris, I think that that could be a toss-up uh, between contracts right now because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Ryan Fitzgerald is RFA up this year and so is Peter Solarik. And Peter Solarik is more of the, you know, the versatile player that can play both, both wings, while Ryan's a center in the right wing, which we have already to have the center depth, and and we which we we don't have the right wing depth, but Nolan Chari does play the wing very well yeah. actually, so I could actually see Ryan probably playing another. To uh, get another contract for two seasons with Providence, hopefully signing with them and not you know holding out to go somewhere else. Um, but I think that that role should definitely go to uh, a guy like Peter Solarik, and which, which would obviously have to be signed too. But and you can also you can also extend a Chari for one more year if you still don't believe it. But I just think that the where Achari is right now on the whole depth chart, that he's bottlenecking prospects that come up that play that same role, um, if not equally, a little bit better. No, I I I agree with you actually on on that last comment. You know, Achari's position, he's probably one of the few players on the Bruins where you kind of question his his place if that makes sense or his his uh, entitlement to be there that being said 
I would argue that if the Bruins had a stronger affiliation, perhaps with Atlanta, where guys were getting minutes and 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 game time, it might not be as much as the struggle. I I really do think that Achari. How long? How long has he been on the Bruins roster? Has it been two seasons? I'm, uh, I may be wrong. say yes, and he did spend some time with Providence. Yeah, and and I I definitely feel like Achari can fill a role. Maybe there's guys in Providence that could could do a better job. I haven't seen enough of the Providence Bruins this season to to be able to comment on that. So so I can't really say say whether or not they could. There's definitely talent within the organization. Absolutely. But I, I just feel like Achari's your kind of classic kind of lower line guy who who's just going to give it his all, you know, almost like a Chris Wagner, who I think has been incredible for this oh, organization. I didn't even see this coming, Chris. Oh, Wagner. It, it, I, I, I knew guy. the physicality thing. And I said, yeah, that, yeah he's gonna, that's going to that's, that's bring it. But you know me in the podcast. I'm very stubborn when it comes to, you know, I can see playing your role and being good at it, but also just be offensive. I yeah. mean, play that, get some points. The game yeah. is about goals, and who yeah. has more walks away with the victory. Absolutely. That's what I want to see. But I do understand the role he plays and so on, but I did not expect, uh, what has he got, 12 goals now? I, I don't know his numbers. I, I know that, the Bruins, the way it's kind of worked out with different players and different contracts, I think they're kind of almost at a bit of a crisis on the fourth line. Yeah, because... and that's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean about when you talk about players like uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Yeah. You know, and um, and what are you going to do with uh, JFK? He's coming up to negotiations this summer too. And, and and that's the, that's the thing. I I think the fact that that Wagner has probably exceeded expectations. I don't I don't think realistically anybody thought he was going to have the, the impact he had. Similarly with with guys like Bacchus. I know Bacchus is. I I wanted to believe I was I was kind of team Bacchus in the off season. I wanted to believe that he was going to. Shed a bit of weight. I know he kind of lost weight and came back and was going to be this guy that would that would light up uh, the team offensively. I I think it's kind of accepted now that he's probably only going to be a fourth line guy. I still think he brings good energy and I think he has the desire. But again, going back to your original question, there's guys within the organization that could probably do that for much less of a cap hit. Which would give the Bruins, you know, more room to negotiate at trade deadlines, free agency, you name it. Yeah. Uh, speaking about Bacchus, what do you think about everything that's been going on with him lately? The meeting with uh, Cassidy, private. I heard it was at a bar having a beer. Um. And where he sees his role moving forward, I know looking at Cap Friendly right now, Bacchus has uh, two more seasons, AAV six million. I is it, uh, such a tough one because I never liked this deal in the first place, like you said. But I, I, I 
I don't want to see him use this as a way to keep his longevity going in the league, especially medical purposes and mm-hmm. and the issues that he's had. I, I get the whole family thing. I get you got to do what you got to do and, and be supportive as as the breadwinner in, in the family. But I, I just hope he's making the right decision. That's all. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we, it's not that I'm being soft or anything like that. And, and, and maybe some of the tough guy uh, podcasts out there are probably listening. And I'm not like that. You know what I mean? But I'm about the family. I'm about this and that. You know, I mean, you could you could advocate all you want about your beliefs and and where the fighting is in the game, but I'm also a belief about entertainment and the human value of of what you're doing uh, as a member of society and and and, and entertainment. So um, I just don't get it. So, but anyway, I, I like the whole Bacchus thing. It's like you know that that's his decision. I understand that, and and obviously you sign certain documents saying that you understand the risks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I think Backers has been a great player, a great NHL player uh, throughout his career. I, I, I still feel like he can contribute to a team. I know recently there's been kind of a lot of talk about the fact that he he's almost kind of nominated himself for that enforcer role. And I think that that kind of alludes to the fact that the backers is he's kind of an old school player, and and he's kind of at the point in his career where I think deep down he knows perhaps he doesn't have that that pace that that skill to keep up with the the upper lines, and he's he's almost kind of been reduced to that kind of traditional fourth liner, and but. It speaks volumes that he's willing to to put himself out there and and literally fight for his place. You know, I, I hear reports that he's spoken to Cassidy and said that if he has to take and enforce a role to kind of ensure his playing time, he'll do that. <laughs> you know what's funny, I, Chris? You know what's funny? <laughs> so many people begin bitch and complain about Bacchus and his point production and his role on this team, right? Right. But this this type of player that he is right now was the same player that this fan base was begging for in the freaking series that they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They said, yeah. they said if this Bruins team was not tough enough against that Tampa Bay Lightning, they would have freaking lost even worse. Yeah. So that's the player that you wanted back then, and you're bitching about the same fucking player right now? Come on. Seriously. It, and guess I, what? I, guess what? The Bruins are in second place. We're in the playoffs. We're, we're, we're riding this pony till we can freaking drop. So it works. It works. Absolutely. I, I think we're, we're almost spoiled as a fan base. Oh, you, we are. And we're such a... But, uh, we're such a a re- reactionary fan base. That's the whole oh, thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, I feel like oh. it's kind of going, going towards what we spoke about earlier about, you know, the ECHL affiliate being in new England, new England as, as a region right now is very successful in football, baseball. And I think, and even basketball to an extent, you know, the Celtics are doing well, but, but, but this is a product of that. So people, 
in the area almost expect the best of the best every time. Exactly. Now, it's it's very easy to attack free agency and overbid and overplay. Oh, sorry, overpay players. But the longevity is that's an art. And for me, the Bruins are doing a good job because if you look back, at least at the Boston Bruins, the injuries throughout the season, the players that have missed time for various reasons, there's always been somebody there who stepped up and done a job. And the fact that they're second in, in the in the East, and I know that Tampa Bay are absolutely rocking them. I still think that this Bruins team, compared to the rest of the league, when healthy, is arguably one of the best teams in the league. And that is a a testimony to the job the front office are doing. And and I've been there myself and criticised some of the decisions they've made. I think we all have. but, But I genuinely think that this front office has produced an organization with the depth and the talent to at least challenge in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you guys listen to my the, my black and gold hockey podcast that I do with Court Lalonde and Rob Domlin, uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, um, I've said in the past, like back in August when we started back up or September, um, I said that this could be a Bruins team that they didn't make any moves. Like they did the year before, they made you know lateral pieces. They they mended the they mended the the leak in the dam with a piece of gum is the kind of terminology that comes to my head right now, you know. But they they are making moves that way that are working. It might not be Stanley Cup moves that everybody thinks that they should do, but under a cap management, which is always tough to do. You know, I mean, being a general manager is not as easy as just sitting in your freaking armchair no. and throwing the Xbox no. on and going, "Hey, McDavid for um for uh, Zach Cassian." Uh, they're on the same team. That's stupid. So, all right, so McDavid for like um uh Jordy Ben, not Jamie, Jordy Ben, and then hit and go. And, oh, it it was approved. Okay, let's do yeah. it. Well, let's run yeah. with it. So you know, it, it's not yeah. it's not like that, but. Um. Listen, I hope this team goes as far as they can, but with everything that they're doing right now and in the process of building a winner, I still believe that a third round appearance is a very, very good step in the right direction. And if they get past that third round, holy shit, my expectations are going to be like, way way up there and then i think i'm going to be bought in on where um number seven's going to freaking land you know what i'm saying so oh, yeah. i'm just I, i'm the casual fan that goes into this issue. i'm older i'm i i chris I, I don't remember how old you are but i'm i just turned 43 in in december so this is i mean 2011 was my first so it's just I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of hockey. I've seen this this franchise and the trends and the ups and downs and the heartache. So I just think that if they can't do it this year, 
that's when you and I said it religiously on the on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast is hammer the free agent uh, class that they have after July first, and and use the draft to trade for assets and build something for the next season because next season I think is just gonna freaking this team can plow over teams. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, the way they do it this year, I'll eat crow. I'll, I'm not going to do that whole Toronto <laughs> fucking. Did you hear about that Toronto Maple Leafs fan that ate Which like one? cat shit? <laughs> oh, no, he God. made a bet. He I believe a, it. I no. didn't see it. But oh, it was it. on the it was on the Dangle podcast. Oh my God! And I heard it, and I actually read a couple articles about it. He literally tweeted out and said that um the uh, the, i I don't know i'm just paraphrasing here i think the maple Leafs were down like five to one and then they came um and he said oh if the maple Leafs come back i'll i'll eat cat shit out of my freaking box oh my god and he actually did it which is absolutely disgusting but (laughs) (laughs) you know kudos for the guy for standing up for his you know hey he said he did it he said it yeah so um, I just hope they do. I, I really hope they do well. Um, and I'm going to enjoy as much as they... I love postseason hockey. It's just a whole nother season. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a whole nother level. Um, but I, I, I'm feeling good about it. And, and I'll be positive. I'm not going to be so negative and jump off my freaking roof if they don't reach the cup or win it. So that's just me. It, it, to be honest, I, I, I don't think going into the season anybody expected this this Bruins team to win the cup. What about last season, Chris? When they when they exactly were, when they didn't do anything either during the off season, and everybody was like, "Oh well, here we go." And then bam, right November, right November yeah. to April, they freaking trucked everybody. And yeah, they did the same thing this season towards the end of the freaking or, or the middle of the second half. They started playing well because they were getting healthy. Just imagine this team. I want to see Brandon Carlo play some fucking playoff hockey. <laughs> oh my god, Brandon Brandon Carlo! Right? He I'm, deserves I'm it, man. I'm glad you brought him up. This is a guy who has the way he plays. It's it's almost like Chara in the sense that he's been around for years. This guy knows the game. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like, he plays like a seasoned professional and he is still young in terms of an NHL career. But the way the guy reads the game, the way he handles himself is unbelievable. We are, again, we are spoiled as a Boston Bruins fan base to have a guy like him within the organization. It is unreal. Yeah, he's been a pleasure to watch this season, and one of my top three for seventh player award this season, definitely. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, he's. It's a contract year. I, I I hate thinking about it and saying it like that, um, but I really wanted him to be successful in the playoffs and get a taste of that, and then who knows after that his second contract and and just that that experience. Could just take him to a whole new level in defense. Um, you know, he's 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 not going to be that 
Conlon is not going to be that type of, of offensive defenseman that a lot of people want to see him pinch in and do. I mean, he right. has the capabilities of doing it once in a while, but he's got the 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 body style and the mentality and the hockey IQ to be that stay at home shutdown type of guy. You know what I mean? And I'm all for that. I'm yeah, I am too. For that. I am. I, I, I. I'm. I'm. I'm for a mix. If in your top six in your defenseman, okay. If you have three shutdown guys and three offensive guys that can move the puck, I mean that's a great catalyst for a great transition team. Absolutely. It, it, Absolutely. On a Bruins team that's traditionally terrible at transitioning the puck out of the zone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, I was I was lucky enough to go to the St. Patrick's Day game against Columbus, and Chara had a few a few shots at goal. And when that guy slaps the puck, oh, it's like a bullet. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I think. One oh five, baby. Oh, exactly, right? And, and McAvoy stepped up. No, I'm sorry, 108, I think. 108? Oh, yeah, I wasn't 105? I, I think, I, I don't either, but I think 105 was I am Freddy. But yeah. we can all agree that, that, that it's a bullet, right? That, oh, that yeah. guy oh, absolutely yeah. slams it. As a goaltender, and, hell no, I wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, that guy is stepping up, towering over the puck. Even as a forward, I'm not sure if I want to receive one of his passes. <laughs> right. right. Probably break my both and, my wrists. <laughs> and, and this is a guy that lives and breathes the game. But 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 Carlo stepped up, and and, and this guy is a is a classic shutdown defenseman. He his understanding of the game, his reading of the game, the way he carries himself on the ice it is unbelievable to think that he's as young as he is. You know, he I I look at him. And I see the way senior players carry themselves around the NHL, and and I genuinely think Brandon Carlo is is arguably one of the most important Bruins players. This kid is phenomenal. If he can stay healthy, he is a genuine shutdown defenseman, and he is phased by nothing. All right, we know we know Carlo is a very good player, and he's uh, probably the seventh player award this season, and, and good on him. Uh, but we've got to move on to a couple other topics. Uh, but speaking, uh, staying on the whole defensive scheme. Um, oh shoot, Kevin Miller's got two, one more full season. So there goes my idea of that topic. Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about Connor Clifton. What, mm-hmm. what, what do you think of his game, and what do you see? his possible role next season. Do you A, see him as a role player like he is this year, just an emergency call here and there, or do you see any sustainability in the National Hockey League um, next season? From from what, <clears throat> excuse me, from what I've seen of Clifton, this is a guy that, to me, seems like he has the tools to play at the National Hockey League level, the standard. I think, and it goes back to what we said earlier, it's a credit to the Bruins organization, the fact that he hasn't had to feature all that much this season. But I've been impressed by his confidence and the way he plays the game tells me this is a kid that isn't afraid to take on the next level. Now, 
I think as an organization, at least at the Bruins level, we are blessed by having a number of talented defensemen. I would not be opposed to having Clifton spending another year in Providence and potentially being that call-up guy and then a year on top of that potentially filling an NHL role. I I think he is definitely a talent, but kind of linked to what we said earlier, I don't want to rush it too much, but I genuinely believe he he has the skill to kind of step up. Yeah, Chris, and, and looking at uh, Cap Friendly right now, well, I think an ice cream truck just drove by, or or a vehicle, or a vehicle that had ice cream truck music. Uh, but regardless, that was pretty random for March. Um, right. <laughs> um, Connor Clifton has uh, this season and next season uh, under an entry level deal uh, with waiver. I mean, I'm sorry, with. Um, you know, accessibility to go down to Providence and go up to Boston uh, under the required NHL games, too. Um, so I can see where you're going with that for the fact is that just because I'm looking at catfriendly.com, uh, Camphor is definitely not coming back. You agreed? No. Well, so, you know what? With with Camphor, the game I was at the other week the uh, against Columbus... I actually felt that Camphor had a pretty decent game considering he was playing alongside Moore who kind of had a few moments where you felt like he'd underperformed. But I actually, I don't feel like Camphor will be back, but I really think, at least in recent times, he's kind of stepped it up a level. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'm not so, I, I just, it's just for me, it's like total consistency. You know what I'm saying, brother? But for right now, it's like you look, if you look at Cap Friendly, it's like, okay, you take away Stephen Camp for next season, all right? Right. And and, and you think Connor Clifton would be that great seventh guy. But at his age, at 23, and he's he's still got one more full season of entry level eligibility, it's like you would rather have him play all the time down in Providence than have him up here doing a a shift with uh, a rotation of six other guys. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, as much as I want to see Connor Clifton up here as soon as possible, I understand what you're saying too about the whole playing and everything like that and being that type of player that's just going to come in every, every, once every seven games. That's not good for your development at at a 23-year-old. That that type of game is good for a veteran, Stephen Camper, at thirty years old because he's right. he's already been in the league. He knows the training. Right. He knows the you know, blah 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 when to be yeah. ready and so and so on. So you, you have to prioritize your younger talent over your veterans. Exactly. And I think as as long as they kind of maintain that sort of philosophy throughout, then the Bruins are going to be in a, in a good shape. Um, man, it's, it's just like, we're just going to spend the last 15 minutes, uh, just touching on the NHL Boston Bruins from now on. So I, I mean, really bad luck for Marcus Johansson, huh? Just uh, comes to the team, uh, plays a couple of good games and injured. And I don't know. I'm kind of, I was going to bring this up on my, um, 
the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, but I thought it was going to, I just save it for this one, because I can actually, you know, if drop an F-bomb if I feel like it, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, the narrative that just came out when he got injured and he was always like, oh, there's the goes Don Sweeney trading for another injured player, you know, I just don't get people sometimes with their, their hate towards certain people or, you know, but, yeah, kind of tasteless. But um, nah. I, I thought he did okay where he was and in yeah. his role, and I think he's going to do the same thing when he comes back. I mean, thankfully that injuries suck, period, but thankfully he's got one of those injuries that heal quick. Um, and right. definitely has enough games under his belt that he could be, you know, a valued asset uh, uh, up and down the top three um, with the remaining regular season schedule going into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I just – how about your thoughts on, on him and uh, his whole narrative of injuries and we trade for crap? I, I, honestly, I honestly think that – Ultimately, as an organization, the Boston Bruins got better through the trades they made. Um, that's not to say they could have got more, they could have got less, but I, I think as a team, they improved with the guys they brought in. I think I think he could be a great player down the stretch. I hope that you know he recovers quickly. Um, similarly to the uh, to the Donato Coil trade, I, I think ultimately that filled a role. Could the Bruins have got more? Potentially, who knows? You never really know. It's difficult to kind of gauge. But I think as a Boston Bruins NHL organization, the team definitely improved um, with the with the trades they made. I think Coil is really on the cusp of uh, of scoring a big goal potentially a game-winning goal. He tries hard. I know you have the, the added pressure of being from the from the area and that thrown in, but then translate that to a guy like Chris Wagner, yeah. who I think has, has really exceeded expectations. You obviously listen to the show. Right, exactly right. I'm, I'm, starting but, to, I'm starting to feel that way, though. I'm starting to feel like, you know what? I'm going to give these local guys a chance. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, historically, at least recently, it's maybe not been a good thing. But, but ultimately, every player is an individual. Yeah. You know, you, you never know what they're going to bring. And I, I do I do feel like Donato, even if he'd stayed in the Bruins organization, probably wouldn't have been in the NHL right now. So to have a guy that can, can fill a few roles at an NHL level is a benefit. And... Uh, I do think that, that, like you said earlier, the the Bruins are, are challenging in the East. They look like a good team. They went on a good point streak. We're in a good position. I feel like we can beat Toronto in the playoffs. And, you know, who knows? Who knows oh. what beyond, you know? Chris, we got to talk about Toronto media, man. Have you, oh. listened, have you listened to these guys? <laughs> I try to avoid them as much as I can. But oh you can't man, help. I, I know you you're a big. Help, but I know you're a podcast guy, but like <laughs> right. you should. I mean, uh, Hockey Central at noon, which is like a Sportsnet thing, and it's very popular, very right. popular in Toronto area. Those guys are talking about how much the Bruins could truck over their own team. 
Yeah. Like Kiprios is Kiprios has been saying in the past like three or four days or at least a week that I've noticed from listening to the program because it's awesome that he's just like you, you gotta you gotta do something to match up against the Bruins toughness because yeah. they're they're gonna bring it they're gonna they're gonna come at you and and you know players like Wagner and Nordstrom and 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 you know the uh, uh, Corrales. And it's not because you know uh, John McClain is a the uh, agent for Sean Corrales either, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny how he brings it up. He's like, "Yeah, you got to bring up this guy uh, from uh, uh, my uh, Miami." Uh, uh, it's the uh, not Miami in Florida. It's the one in Ohio, Miami of Ohio University. Right. So yeah, where, where uh, Corrales came from, I believe. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, I could get torched on this one. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Only even need to that. Yeah, I know. Um, it's just those guys that are that are, are really getting it done with um, constant forecheck. And I, and I go back to my statement about uh, Achari. You know what I mean? I, I understand Noel has his up and, ups and downs. Players do do that. But when it comes down to consistency and, and, and looking at the wider picture, when you look at year to year, and what what this organization is going to do because I don't just look at the at the at the overall uh, layout of the organization and say uh, this is okay I'm I'm ready for just the season I'm always I'm always looking ahead at three or four seasons ahead and right. and just to see where a player's role could be if he's re-signed to another deal and blah 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 and where where a prospect could fit in that plays basically the same type of player that a coach is is teaching so. You know, it's going to be an interesting summer because they have a lot of guys that they have to sign. I mean, uh, like Paul Carey, I don't know what's going to happen to him. Achari needs to be resigned. Danton Heinen needs to be resigned. Johansson, and that's just the forwards. The defense, right. you got to figure out what you're doing with Chara. You got to figure out what you're doing with Camper. That's obviously a, a you know, in my book, get rid of him. But. Uh, negotiate negotiate with Carlo and McAvoy, you know, and then the other ones. It's just it's just crazy. It's it's he's going to be busy this year. So, um, and and just think about that with all those resigns that you have to do is you you still have to try to maintain interest in a very very enticive free agent class this season that was even more right. even more you know fruitful than Tavares that led it last yep. season yeah, I mean you're going to have so much to fucking pick from this year absolutely I, I, I think the Bruins defensively are in a really good place um, I'm interested actually to, to see your thoughts on Chara would you give him another year you know, I've I've been hard on him. I know, and I've I've taken a lot from it. And I get it, but I also just I also look at the game with so many different angles. I just don't have blinders on for the player, the the commitment, and the right. and the passion. It's it's a business. It's a player. It's an it's a contract, and I think of all areas of that. Um, would he be welcomed back into a locker room that is probably going to have uh, more younger talent inside there that he could uh, 
cater to with with knowledge and 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 how to respect the league and where you are absolutely i'd do it but as a business i think that if you didn't trade any of these defensive assets that you have in the prospect system then you you're pretty much bottlenecking them if you don't if you do resign Charles. right so it's forcing them to use so like Court Lalonde on on the show kind of brought me to this. It's like he's always like Mark. Just think about the draft and how useful that can be. And he said that for the last two years. Yeah, you know, and and he basically you know was right. It's like that. That's another asset to use uh, when when acquiring players. So I think that could be very much in play this year too because. Um, if you if you are considering bringing Chara back and you're going to pay that cap and you're going to do that commitment, then you have to cut ties with somebody else that's right behind you. I think that like I'm not sure if you know the player. Remember Matt Benning? He played yeah. for, he played for Northeastern. Yeah, and he flat out came out and said, and I know I'm repeating myself on my other show, but he flat out said, I I I, I want to be released. I don't see a future with this in front of me. And when he said this, he was pointing at a computer screen of the depth that the Bruins have at defense. Right. It, right. It, it, in his eyes, it didn't make sense for a pro career. The path for him in the Bruins organization would have been a sustainable middle depth player in the American Hockey League. So he, right. took, he took the chance and said, I want out and I want to go there. Guess where he's playing? In the NHL. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to do something with these players. It's either you, you lock them up or you make decisions. And now, I am not sure about Chara and what he's going to do. I think I've said this before again. Yeah. I think he's the type of player that's very quiet and wouldn't want to leak out that he might walk away at the end of the season or the end of the playoffs, wherever they go this, this year. I think he just might do that. He's that type of player that doesn't want the focus to be on him. Why would you go? I mean, if if fans think that this is a Stanley Cup run, why would Chara even think about saying, "Hey, hey, I want a, I want all the teams to thank me on my retirement, like farewell." <laughs> right. Why would the focus be on him all season? You know what I mean? That would be terrible. Yeah. Keep yeah. it quiet. Do it. If he gets the Stanley Cup, he goes out in freaking style. Goes out in style and get. I think yep. he gets that number. And I've I, I've ragged on Chara a lot, and I have. I'll eat crow. I will. I will eat ton of crow. But you can never give up on a guy's heart. Nah. You can never. You know what I mean. And and he. His, yeah, I hear. His his training has been just amazing. It's amazing to hear, and, and good good luck to him. But when it comes down to business, that roster spot is also something you got to think about as an organization. So it's it should be an interesting summer, it really should. I totally I totally hear what you're saying. One of my first articles for Black and Hold Black and Gold Hockey dot com was why another year of char was a good deal. I firmly believe... It was a fantastic article, by the way. 
Thank you. But I believe that guy who consistently plays against the best of the best in the NHL can still do it. I still think he can do it. I still feel like, especially with a young partner like McAvoy, I still feel like this guy can contribute and and really defend at the highest level. I, I genuinely do. I think his training regime is incredible. I think his commitment to Boston is incredible. I and it's personal. It's, it's, it, that's all money. What what it is? I I think personally, Zdeno Chara at forty two years of age can still defend at the highest level in the in the NHL. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's criticism. I invite it, but I I I do. I genuinely think this guy has the mindset at least the mentality to perform at the highest level. All right, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. Put your GM pants on, big guy. One, <laughs> All right. One more year. One more year. Mm-hmm. What's the term? And and is it is it involve a trade or no trade? I... Which made no sense different. at all. I, I meant, I mean, no, does, no, does that come meant, along with a no trade clause? Yeah, no, I know what you meant. Because his it, contract this year did. Right. As as a fan, it would break my heart to see Chara playing on another team. Mm-hmm. That's why I threw that in there. Sorry. Uh, I, 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 I don't apologize <laughs> because I because I honestly I feel like he will retire a Bruin. It's a really difficult, it's a really difficult decision because I still feel like, I mean, the guy is still defending at a first line level or a first pair level. Worst case, the guy is still a decent second pairing. I don't know if you'd argue with that, but I still, I, I, I honestly believe that his reading of the game, his understanding of the game, and and his skill set, whether he's defending with McAvoy or whether it's potentially McAvoy and somebody else, and Chara steps down to the second line, I still feel like he could do a job i i, I genuinely do I, even being there the other night against columbus I, I i just watched his influence on that team and i really really feel like chara could could just continue to influence for years at a time i know there's talent coming and i don't want to stall that but i still feel like chara has a role within the Boston Bruins organization. I, I agree what with that. Think? I do agree with that, okay? I'm not going to argue with his talent. I'm not going to argue uh, with his drive and 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 what he does and, and his, his 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 legitimate leadership role is just absolutely amazing. I get that. But my thing is is I I definitely do it 
for a million dollars. Right. If he would agree to that, that remains to right. be seen. That remains to be seen right. because, you know, a million dollars is a lot more easy on the cap when you're trying to manage yeah. that cap with other players that are, are going to be involved in high pay raises this summer. I mean, right. that's a heavy decision. If you give Chara $4 million, oh, I mean, that's like, and depending, right. on, depending on when it happens, too, do you do that before the 1st of July? Do you do that right around the draft? And then you you, ha- you hamstring yourself on negotiations for restricted free agents later on? That's right. Man, I do not want to be Don Sweeney right now. There's, yeah, you know, there's no way I would want I would want that seat. I'd, I'd want somebody right. to just screw me and buy me dinner first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don, no, but, but but I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I really think Don Sweeney has a difficult job. I think Bruins fans are, are quick to criticise him, but when you compare sorry compare him to fa- uh, to, to franchises around the league, I think Sweeney has a very difficult job. Yeah, he's such a hot ass, though. <laughs> I do get it. You know what I mean? I do get it. He, 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 he. Don Sweeney was like that as a player. Listen, I've, right. I've tried, Chris. I've tried to talk to him, right. and, and he's been respectful. I get it, right. but he's also sees me as probably this, <clears throat> this old fan that is trying to be some kind of reporter. Or something like that, just chasing them down, which I I am. That's completely that's completely true. Uh, but I want I wanted an interview, and and I don't know. Just by the the short conversation, it was it was he was at Warrior Ice Arena, uh, right. all business. So, um, but he's he's gonna be because he, he's facing the season press. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But 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 that is a tribute to Black and Gold Hockey dot com. That we're at Warriors Ice Arena. Yes. In the first place. Yes. And that is a tribute to your work. And ultimately, it's going to pay off. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. I'm very excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm also very excited about the opportunity for others in our group to uh, share this experience on a rotation. I think that it would be a great service for all to um, be exposed to that because I really want this and this this is a great segue as we end the show um, we're looking for writers we're looking for more people to contribute whether it be now or over the summer if you want to like I'm not busy over the summer so if anybody wants to do any training over the summer that's the best time to do it and then we'll start the season on a fresh note and go from there yeah. so uh, just like I did with you, I think we did a fantastic job, uh, you know, bringing you up through the the minor system into the pros. And um, but I, I want this to be a platform that others use uh, to to take that hyperlink and and attach it to a resume and say yeah. and say this is a sample for W E E I or Nesson that several writers of um, my of our our website. And our team have been exposed to um, for the last six or seven years, so um, it's uh, it's really contributed to a vast variety of everybody 
at Black and Gold Productions. Um, you know, I, I cannot take the credit for this. I am just the guy that pays the bills and and takes a little, 20% uh, to pay my out-of-pocket costs and everything else goes back to everybody uh, like yourself. So that's what I try to do. So we are looking for, for more people to join. Um, it's a great opportunity to learn. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great media platform, I believe. Um, and we, I, I don't mind being called the AHL of, of, um, of media uh, when we do have turnaround uh laura campbell from nesson she's she worked with us uh mike craddy right now is at weei um there's uh i can't remember actually i've had a couple too few many beers and so on <laughs> but um we've had a couple people that have have gone on to good successes in 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 boston sports media and we, i want to continue to do that i just want to be an outlet that uh we can help out and you know give back when I can. So if anybody's interested, uh, send me an email uh, at black and gold uh, hockey blog at gmail.com. So Chris, what do you think about uh, ending it right there, bud? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I'd agree with everything you said, you know, particularly Mike Cray uh, um, doing, doing what he's doing right now. It's great to, to be involved in the team that has that potential to, you know, to move on and do it at the next level. And Mike's been a great asset to the to the site. And, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to do what I do and, uh, you know, feedback what I do. And uh, ultimately, you know, we're all Bruins fans. Everybody listens to the show. First and foremost, we're, we're, we're fans about the fans and, we're all right. about our opinion, no corporate strings. It's just, it's just us doing our thing, and it's is it, you like it or not, it's it is what it is. But I think we have a a decent product. I think we're we're up and we're 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 an organization that's on the rise, I believe, and I want to continue to to keep that thought moving forward. So, and with with uh, guys like you and maybe others that you could train and then you could move on or whatever you guys want to do. It's up to, you know what I mean? It's just a, it's a great thing to do to, to, to learn and pass on the knowledge to others that, that want to get into the whole field because it is, it is a fantastic thing to do. And I, I give a credit to Elliot Friedman and uh, Jeff Merrick, 31 thoughts podcast. Uh, yeah. When I, when I heard them say, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you guys get to where you're at right now? And it's like, they, I mean, Merrick was like immediately, you know, do you know Jeff Merrick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a fantastic guy. So he just came out and just said, you know, he was like, hey, side a blog, side a podcast. Yeah. It was that easy. I'm just like, you know what brilliant. I mean? As, yeah. I, as I'm fucking searching for the whole words, it was like, you know, bam, there it is. It's like, it was so easy. So, it, I mean, pretty much went off those guidelines and then. Just got to where it is today. Which, I mean, we're not. We're not. I'm not patting ourselves on the back or anything like that. We're nothing like great, but it is something to be proud of that where we are today. So absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's to you guys uh, that 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 are the hard workers. We're averaging ninety to hundred articles a month, so that's that's really due to you guys. So anyway, I will I will take enough of your time. We've been over two hours, Chris Green. 
Uh, you can follow you can follow him on Twitter at C Green. That's G R E E N E Sports. Uh, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate this. Yeah, no, I've, I've absolutely loved it. You know, always oh, a, a platform to discuss. You know what it is that we love, and uh, yeah, absolutely, guys, follow me on Twitter if you're interested in uh, exploring the gladiator side of the organization and. Uh, you know, we'll keep the discussion flowing and uh, obviously go Bruins. Absolutely. And and, and and please, do me a favor. Um, you're also writing, like, racing. Do you do do you do you um, Celtic stuff too? Yeah, I, I've kind of experimented with a, a bit of the uh, the Boston Celtics. So any fans of the, the Celtics or similarly NASCAR. Plug yourself. You know, I kind of write, yeah. Go ahead, you know, go ahead, man. You know, if any, any NASCAR fans in the in the New England area, you know, give me a follow. I, uh, you know, I focus on the Cup and similarly Celtics. You know, absolutely, it's been a kind of an up and down season, but New England sports in general, you know, is 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 my field. So uh, yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter, and uh, you know, I, I'm always looking for engagements and uh, just kind of discussion, I guess. Uh, you know, for for the greater good so definitely follow me on uh sea green with an e at the end sports and we'll go from there nice uh chris green thank you so much man thank you so much for everything you do everybody thank you so much for listening first and foremost the support has been amazing um and it's only getting better um, if you'd like to contribute to everything that we do here at Black and Gold Productions, you can contribute one dollar to the Patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast uh, account and, um, and be a member there and, and, and be a part of some free giveaways that we're going to be really ramping up uh, hard on uh, in, in the near future. Um, and hey, thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Everybody, take care. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.